1: Hello everybody, Josh Neighbors here today on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today is the 18th of July, 2022. Busy show today. The Nationals have made another offer to Juan Soto from reports. He has turned it down, so the Nationals might explore trading him. There's a whole lot of meat on that, but we'll get to that. And also the Nationals drafted a couple guys uh, last night as well in the first and second rounds of the 2022 Major League Baseball draft. So we'll get to that. A Busy show coming up on Locked On Nats today.
0: You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast today, brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day. You guys can find the show wherever you get your podcast and here on YouTube as well. Um, Guys, also, sorry about any audio quality dips last week. I have the really nice mic right here, but I'm going to have to switch out cords for it. So right now using the Yeti mic, it should be a little sound quality drop off, but not, not anything that sounds horrific. If it is, please let me know. But um, so it's funny because the nationals right now, the baseball is actually being played in the field feels so insignificant and they've gone to these long stretches where, you know, we talk about, I mean, I, I did a bunch of Josh Bell trade uh, episodes and videos with various people, Lindsay Crosby over at locked on Emily prospects, uh, Tim Kelly over from odyssey sports. And we talked about, you know, Josh Bell trade locations. And we've been doing that for a while. And now all of a sudden, you get this one Soto news, the weekend of the draft. And so, you know, uh, weekends being weekends, we don't really usually do episodes. Also, you know, it, it doesn't make much sense with all the news that was changing. Going into an all-star week, it's easier to wait. But then things double up. So we'll have plenty of coverage this week about, uh, about both the draft and the one Soto stuff. And there's a lot of different angles to hit it from. We'll talk to Matt Weirick of NBC Sports Washington. Hopefully, we can get Lindsey Crosby on to tell us about the new Nationals prospect, uh, The you know new guys who can become prospects that they have just gotten and added into their uh, their farm system with a draft last night. But today's episode will just kind of kind of be like more, you know not an emotional reaction, but more of just m- my thoughts about. Uh, we'll we'll hit the draft stuff, but really this whole weekend has just been a whirlwind, and it kind of it kind of is a good. Um, I think, inflection point about the Nationals franchise and where it is. And, uh, you know, we'll catch you guys up. If you all don't know, I'm going to read from Jesse Doherty here at the Washington Post. And this is one thing I've mentioned about baseball news before. It's really strange is that in basketball and football, you've got your primary guys that you trust all the time, right? In basketball, you've got Woj and Shams and, you know, Kevin O'Connor and Zach Lowe. In baseball, you've got John Heyman, Jeff Passan, uh, Ken Rosenthal, uh, but but those people aren't you know they're not allergic to uh, to getting stuff you know getting stuff wrong right I mean last year we saw with the Max Scherzer trade that um, you know that you know it sounded like he was going to be going to San Diego according to Ken Rosenthal and it turns out you know he ends up going to the Dodgers in the trade for uh, with also Trey Turner Josiah Gray there as well. Uh, as was Caber Ruiz coming back, Gerardo Carrillo and Donovan Casey too. But that's not what it sounded like for a while. And so, you know, my whole point in saying all this is think about all of the, uh, there's been various reporting about what happened this weekend. So the first news came from Ken Rosenthal over at the athletic. And that came, it said that he had turned down a 15 year, $440 million offer uh, that was made. Now, I'm going to read you all from Jesse Doherty's reporting at the Washington Post. He kind of went a bit deeper on this. He said he talked to four people with knowledge of the matter. Um, And now there is doubt about retaining him long-term. And so the club is going to field trade offers ahead of the August 2nd deadline. Now, what you have to understand here is that the, uh, the nationals, uh, you know, have the rights to one. soda arbitration through this season and the two following seasons. So, uh, he would be a free agent after the 2020 uh let's see so they got him for 2022 and 2023 2024 so he would be a free agent heading into the 2025 season after the 2024 season i always get the you know the, the math wrong um but yeah that, that that is when he would be a um, a free agent so the nationals do not have to trade him now there's no pressure to do that Um, the offer came near the start of July. So it's July 18th when recording this. And that's according to two people familiar with the situation that Jesse says. Um, and then also, we also got these comments over the course of the weekend from Juan Soto. He says, quote, it feels really bad to see stuff going out like that because I'm a guy who keeps everything on my side. I keep everything quiet, Soto said. Um, and you know, I saw also Mark Zuckerman from Masson say that, Juan Soto was looking quite kind of somber after he made these comments. He doesn't want this stuff out there. He likes being in DC. He, he's, he's enjoyed his time with the club. Um, you know, I, I think the Scott Boris side of this is always going to be something we have to talk about. I mean, you know, this is a guy who wants to set precedents, right? He wants to set standards. And so while Juan Soto at $450 million can be, you know, the largest dollar figure, I believe, uh, in terms of average annual value, that's not going to even be in top 20 so that's kind of i think where where there is a crossroads now here's the problem is that like you're you know you're not going to get um, I, I don't think you're going to get a 15 year contract that's worth 40 million dollars a year right you end up you know uh, parsing that out that's going to get you around 600 million dollars i think it's um, you know math is not being uh t- yeah it's kind of it's somewhere that right 600 million dollars 40 a year i think it's right um yeah somewhere in that range whatever it is it uh, doesn't really matter. Um, you know, he's, he's not going to get that much money. It's it's not going to end up being, you know, he's not going to end up getting uh, that amount of money. It's just not going to happen that you're going to get a $600 million contract. $500 million, Yeah, definitely. You know, that's being for what's being talked about. $600 million, I don't think, I don't see anybody giving him, you know, approaching, I mean, once you're over half a billion dollars, uh, it's pretty crazy at that point, you know, what you're talking. It's crazy now to be talking about this. But you know there is precedent there to set that's what that's kind of the point here is that they could set a precedent with the contract um and I think the problem you know there's so many angles to this I kind of wrote down five I wrote the money Juan's comments team ownership team uh you know how competitive the team is currently team philosophy and those are just five things that the, the different angles we hit you know we could hit fan sentiment right um you know involved in this also uh, and, and there's, you know, uh, obviously we just talked about the player side of things, which is kind of part of the money, but also the, the precedent side of things. There are so many different angles that to come from, from the situation. And I've just been thinking and talking to people all weekend. And I, I feel different ways about this because to me, like, I want to see guys like Juan Soto stay in Washington, D.C. I think it's good if the sport, if the stars are broken up. I don't think it's good if we have a few stars and a lot of places, you know, and you know, I Mets fans might want to see one. are there, but like, I don't, I don't need to see the Mets collecting and hoarding talent. I wouldn't want to see the nationals collecting or hoarding a ton of talent, you know? Uh, and I, and I mean the guys who are, you know, if you have a, if you build and cultivate a great young winning team or a winning team in general, like I, I'm, I'm cool with that, but there's only so many players that we want to see all, you know, all in Dodgers, right? Like, do we want to see, uh, you know, do we want to see all the best players all on one team? You know, super team type deals. No, we don't want to see that, right? I think it's better off in the sport when we distribute stars. And I think, you know, there is some distribution of that right now. But you know, you if teams like the Nationals aren't willing to take on uh, to take, uh, you know, to, to sign players like Juan Soto, somebody else will, and it's usually only a few somebodies. And that's kind of why I think a lot of us don't like it's just you know in basketball it's that's a little bit different i mean the you know the warriors win right uh the spurs have won recently the mavericks have won like it's not just big threes and super teams winning in basketball you can pair guys up and try to win but it's not like there aren't examples across the last 15 years of teams you know the the warriors were kind of a super team and they had durant but like think about the fact that you know an injured clay and a 33 year old Curry and a, you know, an aging Draymond were able to pair up with Jordan Poole, right? And and guys like that and Gary Payton the second and uh, you know Kevon Looney and those guys are winning titles like that is team building. That's that's winning with a team is what that is, right? I know Giannis is an amazing player, but like Drew Holiday you know is was uh, arguably the second best player when they won the title. You know you like to see uh, the Nationals are a great example in baseball you love to see a team built the way the Nationals were when all the Braves last year was a clinic in team building. That's what you want to see. Um, you want to see, you know, you know people build teams. And well, it kind of gets to one part of this, like, is the best way to build a team trading a Juan Soto? You know, just, you know, does, is, is a one guy worth all of that, right? That goes to kind of the team philosophy piece of this. So there's so much stuff in play. But here, here are a couple of things that I've, I've taken away from this weekend. Number one to the fans out there who are Washington Nationals fans. This is a gut punch. This really does hurt. And I'm not, I don't think we should blame one specifically. I actually don't think the front office should be blamed specifically because think about it like this. The Lerner family sounds like they're pretty close to, be, to wanting to move on with the Nationals, right? Obviously, the old you know, the old is kind of out there. Mark was there. They won a championship. But do you want to be fully invested in a, in a rebuild like this? And obviously, we've heard that they want to sell the team. So there is that aspect of this. And that's why I'm not really super mad at them. The one thing I've come, I've come back to about the fans is this sucks for the fans because you saw Bryce walk, you won the title, which was amazing. It was great. But the thing that nationals that, that people outside of DC don't understand is, you know, I started doing this podcast back in January of 2020. So with COVID, people didn't really get to enjoy the nationals, uh, championship. And, I made this point to a couple of buddies last night and they, you know, they agreed with this. And so I, I you know, I, I kind of like to bounce ideas off some of my friends and then share them with you all. And want to get your thoughts on this. You know, the nationals didn't get to enjoy that title. I went to two Braves games this year and every single Braves game feels like in some way, shape or form, there is a piece that is a celebration of the 2021 championship or it seems 2020. Uh, wait, huh? We're in 2022. Yeah. So 2021 championship that the Braves won, there is some element of celebration that is happening all of the time. The Nats fans didn't get to do that. This thing fell apart and fell apart rather quickly, right? I mean, we got to see, you know, really in the stands, appreciating our champions, if you know, just use that term. Like, you all as fans didn't get to appreciate your champions for that long. 2020, shortened season, no fans. 2021, sell the deadline. But remember, part of that beginning of that season, they didn't, you know, the, uh, the crowds weren't full and they eventually got there. But, you know, there was not, they were celebrating, yes, of course, but you didn't get to fully appreciate those guys. And they try to kind of make that second run, that second push, if you will, obviously. And things fell apart Strasburg's injuries, Corbin's lack of success. Um, you know, they, they did fall apart a little bit last year. Think about how old the team was. So, you know, the Nats had a window. And I've mentioned this a bunch. Their championship window really did begin in the early uh, you know, teens, uh, uh, you know, aughts, uh, whatever they call it. But like, you know, the between 2011, I guess you could say, and, and, and 2019, that was really their championship window. They just happened to win with the very end of the window. And it sucks they didn't get to appreciate that at all. And you see Bryce and the Phillies, and you hear about these numbers being kicked around, and the Nationals now are thinking about trading him. It, it brings me to, you know, so once again, point there being I feel bad for the fans. I, I really do feel bad for you all as fans. Uh, as Nationals fans, that you didn't get to fully enjoy that championship, that you didn't get to fully enjoy that title the way you should have. You know, to to think about it now from the um, from the Juan Soto like perspective, like what he is, this guy is a superstar. You know, I, I always talk about putting butts in seats and jerseys on backs. That's what guys like Bryce do. That's what guys like Juan do. When you're making an investment in Juan Soto, you're not just investing in the player, right? You're investing in a guy who is going to be the face of your franchise for as long as he is here. It gets to the next point though of, of you know, and, and he has been tremendous and he's a great player and he's really fun to watch. The question is for the nationals about where they are as an organization is the right move going to be paying a guy like Soto and trying to rebuild around him or completely rating somebody's farm system of potentially really good prospects. And then trying to build a team like that. I actually thought um Jeff over at locked on Dodgers made a good point. Like, the Dodgers aren't going to make the trades that completely drain the farm system, right? The max trade trade. I mean, those were guys who are pretty, you know, like expendable. I mean, let's be honest, like think about all the really, about Tony Gonsolin this year, just absolutely killing it. Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw. Like this team is totally fine in that department. They don't need Josiah Gray. Uh Julio Urias, dude. I don't want to, uh, you know, forget about him. Like, they don't necessarily need a guy, and, and they should have Trevor. I mean, well, should. I'm not saying Trevor is a good guy, but, like, in theory, if everything went okay, Trevor Bauer would be with that team, um, you know, with the free agency signing there. Like, they, they have guys they can expend, but, like, do they want to give up everybody to get a player like Soto? They typically don't want to do things like that. That's why they've been able to keep their competitive window for so long. Uh, Astros, really good example, too, of a team that's not – selling the farm for anybody and a really good job of developing those guys from the farm and they come up and they've made big impacts. And so, uh, you know, um, I think the Mets at times have fallen ill to to giving up too many guys to make trades, to make things happen. The nationals need to really consider about, okay, do we want to restock the farm to build this really good, uh, to try to build a really good team. And then from there we have the assets to potentially make trades down the line. Good example. Kevin Parada, you know, was a guy that we talked about, Hey, you know, uh, could the nationals draft him? Uh, they didn't draft him. Right. But, you know, is this a guy that, you know, uh, could be around if you want to make that trade later on, you know, Elijah green is a guy that I think people talk about as a potential superstar, right. Is that a guy that you trade up, you know, somewhere up and down the line to get that guy finally that you need, you know, uh, the Nationals don't have the ability to even make deals right now because their farm system is so shot. Now, they're not competitive right now, but if, if let's just say if they were competitive, they don't have that. So, Juan does present a really amazing opportunity to completely raid somebody's farm system of a lot of really good players. Um, I, I'm still a believer they should get maybe one or two guys at the major league level who are already kind of proven, just so it's you know, like you can get somebody to help teach some of these kids. Because, I mean, Juan Soto is one of the vets at this point, right? He is. Excuse me, he's one of the vets though, which is a really interesting part of this, is that he's like one, I mean, the, the vets are probably gonna go. Out. Crew's gone. Um, Bell's gonna be gone, we think. Um, if Juan's gone, I mean, who on this team? Like Victor Robles is the vet. I know Cesar Hernandez is there, but he's on a one-year deal. Michael is on a minor league deal, right? Uh, you know, so these guys, you know, and, and LC Escobar is around, Harry Adrian's up. Like these aren't, these aren't pros who are going to stick around with the team. They're gonna be gone, right? So you're not gonna have that. So maybe, and I'm not saying they should get like an old guy in this trade, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm just spitballing. I'm like, hey, I, I talked about potentially a uh, a uh, Luis Severino, you know, being in a trade with the Yankees, whatever. Uh, but but also one aspect of this too is is ownership. We, we mentioned the learners, but I have a tough time seeing the Nationals. And i said so this bunch, I'm going to say it again. I have a tough time seeing the Nationals trade Juan Soto – before giving the new ownership group, if there is a new ownership group, we think there is going to be a new ownership group. Let's just, you know, if you want to sell a team, I don't think it's fair to trade away your best asset for the team and decline and, and depreciate the value of the, of the asset and then trade off somebody else. I just don't think it's smart business. Like, let the next group of people be the ones to decide what happens to the soda. We, because we do know this, and I had not even mentioned this yet but the nationals intend to make at least one more offer to Soto. I, and I would be shocked if it's, I, I would be shocked if it was just one. Um, I don't, I, I don't believe that like there's ultimatums, especially this much time left to to, to trade him. And, and look, there's no pressure for you to do it right you now. Uh, you've got a nice year or so to do it. Um, and, and, you know, cause you can always be negotiating that time, but like the Nationals, there is time with us. Now, obviously, don't sit on your hands, and they're making offers, and there's counteroffers. What uh, we just mentioned last one was 15 for 440. But, um, you know, I don't think this Nationals ownership group should be the ones that decide what happens with the one, so does the future in D.C., it, you know, if it's not going to be the ownership group, right? I, I think that's got to be a huge part of this is the new ownership group needs to sit down and assess – what they want to do, what they're, you know, we talked about um, uh, how do you construct a team, right? I, I, they have to decide how they want to build that team. Now we know Rizzo and, and Dave Martinez are going to be back, most likely back and never know these things happen, but we think they're going to be back in 2023, right? So we think that group's going to be there, but Hey, if there's new ownership, maybe they want to make some changes at those points. We don't know. So I would say while they're going to explore trades, I do not expect him to be dealt with this deadline. I do not see that coming at all that is something that a, a team really has to sit back and think about. Like, okay, do you know, gathering the capital, making that decision, deciding what the window is, you know, trying to get an extension in place. Like this stuff's going to take time. I really do not see it happening for the trade deadline. it be such a massive deal. The Nationals hang on to them and make at least one more offer or two, see what happens with ownership, and then we go from there. So I wouldn't hit the complete panic button yet, but this weekend has definitely given us a whole lot to think about in that category. All right, so quick word from our sponsors, and we'll touch on the draft last night, something positive. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Nile. Uh, If you guys need a special something for that special someone, Blue Nile has got you covered. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now, it's the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement setting, uh, ring settings. Plus, every order is insured. It ships free and arrives in a discreet package, so it won't give away what's inside. You can shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. Once again, that's BlueNile.com today, uh, and you guys can get that special something for that special someone. All right, so the, uh, the draft was last night. The Nationals made a couple selections and the number one, their number one pick number five pick overall was Elijah green. And so there is, there's been a lot of talk about the kind of player that Elijah green is and the things that we are hearing, you know, about him, it's really about what he, and also he's a, uh, the son of former um, uh, NFL tight end, Eric green. Um, but what you hear about Elijah green, he is three. 225. This is a big kid out of IMG, and I'll read you guys the scouting report from uh, from MLB Pipeline. Um, I think it's MLB Pipeline, whatever MLB.com's prospects thing. He's 18, born in 2003. Makes you all feel old. Um, 6'3, 225. So they have the the uh, the scale which they use: 50 hit tools, 60 power, 70 runs, 60 arm field, 60 overall 60s. 60. The son of former uh, NFL Pro Bowl tight end Eric Green. Uh, He looks like he could have followed his father's footsteps had he not desired a future on the diamond. Green really jumped on the map with a strong performance at the Area Code Underclass event back in the summer of 2020, leading some to wish he'd reclassify for the 2021 draft. But he's shown off his tremendous raw tools at IMG this spring to put himself in position to be a very high pick. In 2022, obviously, you know, he went number five. He's a right-handed hitter. He's capable of doing just about everything well. He can make loud contact and has proven he can drive the ball to all fields and hit the ball out of the park just about anywhere with at least uh, with at least plus raw power, and he's done that this spring uh, in front of a lot of decision makers. The one question has arisen about his offensive upside has been about his swing and miss in his game. He struggled in the past against elevated velocity, and there are some concerns about his ability to adjust to off speed braking stuff, but has assuaged, so I was right to pronounce that, assuaged some of many of those fears with how he swung the bat this spring. He's an elite level runner who can steal bases and cover a ton of ground in the outfield, where he should be able to man center field with a plus arm for a very long time to come. His complete tool set doesn't come around very often, so it's likely someone at the top of the first round will call his name even if there are remaining questions about his hit tool. So like many people at his age, there are questions, right? But it sounds – you know, from what people are saying about him, it sounds like they got an athlete. They got an athlete that you don't normally see on the baseball field. And it's interesting because the last guy the Nats got that fits this bill, hey, it was last year, right? Brady House, big guy, tremendous athlete, wants to try short, probably will play a third, really good pop, has been awesome so far in his minor league stints, you know, with, with the way he's played, shown a lot of promising signs, right? So I think that's what I think, first of all. Now, look, you all have heard me talk about some of the, you know, the prospecting part of things before, um, uh, and, and we'll get more into this as the week goes along, but uh, this stuff can be just crap shoots and like, I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about these guys. Uh, I don't, I will see the other guy they drafted, um, they drafted, uh, Jake Bennett lefty out of Oklahoma. Uh, the, the nationals have shown an affinity for OU. Cade Cavalli is also an Oklahoma, former Oklahoma sooner. And so, uh, they now add, um, another Oklahoma sooner in the form of Jake Bennett So adding a lefty there, uh, apparently he's got pretty decent, really good velocity. And then also uh, I talked to a couple people who saw him in the regional against Virginia Tech, and he's trying to add a slider right now, and the slider was really, really effective in that super regional and really did – you know, he was great in pitching Oklahoma, helping them get to the College World Series. So two interesting guys. We'll get more on them as we we go through things, but just wanted to stop and talk about that. So much to get to. We'll have more coverage as the week goes along, and obviously one Soto, the aforementioned, will be in the – Home Run Derby taking place tonight, so that is to look forward to. Also, one more word, my sponsors. We get out of here. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online and BetOnline.net. Go to Bet Online today. When you guys do, you can bet on the Home Run Derby coming up tonight. You guys can bet on future MLB games. You guys can bet on uh NASCAR, F1, boxing, UFC, all of those things at Bet Online and BetOnline.net today. Bet Online, Bet Online. It's where the game starts. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show wherever you get your podcast. And you can find us on YouTube as well. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.
0: Download the Amazon Music app today.